Ladies, gentlemen, and podcast fans around the world, welcome to Better Than Most Things with your hosts, Sean and Max. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. E. Right. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you, everybody, for listening. So, I just want to jump right into it, honestly. Uh, I was reading something interesting today, and I wanted to share it with you guys. It's something called a mini-moon. A mini-moon. Have you guys heard what a mini-moon is, or do you have any, uh, give you like a 30, no, let's say like a 10-second pitch if you had an idea what a mini-moon is? Uh, you know, since NASA and astronomers are known for being wacky and satirical, I'm guessing it's a moon the size of Jupiter. I like it, but you're wrong. Just three, anything? Uh, oof. I mean, maybe an asteroid that gets caught in orbit somehow and keeps rotating? You're, I don't know. You're right. It's an asteroid, oh. but it's man, you're you're on fire, man. So it's actually it's a it's an asteroid that's temporarily captured by our planet's ah. gravity, and we call it a mini moon. Huh, and cool. Earth just lost one that we've had for the last three years. Really? Ah. Yes. So does it, it was burn kind of, up, or does it leave orbit? Well, if it burned up, it wouldn't be considered a mini moon because it has okay. to have it has to orbit and go around. So it's kind of a rare object. Because all these asteroids, we've been talking about meteorites and asteroids in this podcast, and a lot of them either burn up in the atmosphere or they kind of bounce off the atmosphere, or sometimes they circle the planet, but they kind of in a, such a weird trajectory that they just get flung off into some other, you know, bullshit of space pretty much. Mm -hmm. But every so often, one of these things gets that, per, every, you know, the Goldilocks thing, and it catches the orbit of the Earth, and they call it a mini moon. And there was one confirmed for a year back in 2006 and seven called 2006 RH120, as we all know. And uh, it was only there for a year before it left. But this new one called 2020 CD3, CD3 uh, it was there for three years. And we just recently discovered it. And we discovered it in February. And it actually left orbit in April. Wait. But it's, but it's, been, or, but it's been orbiting three years. It's been orbiting the planet for three years, and we didn't know it was there? Yeah. That's crazy. Did it say anything about its flight path or...? Well, uh, we know how big it is. It's um, six feet to 12 feet, they said. And well, the flight path, it's kind of in a, we don't know. It's in a orbit, if you will. It's in orbit. It's in, it's in, it, it, yeah. Is it, it between? It's such a weird orbit that it got launched off, but it was in a steady enough orbit that it was going for three years. Is it outside of the moon's orbit or between the Earth and the moon? I'm wondering. Ooh, I don't know. I imagine it'd I be, it, the farther away it orbited, the harder it would be to spot, but. For sure. And they had to figure out, too, if it was because it was so small, it could have been a, you know, a satellite or a piece of space junk or whatever. But when they figure it out, it's a piece of rock. That's when they're like, oh, yeah, this is a, a, a mini moon. <laughs> what the hell? Like, they're all about like, oh, we're keeping our eyes out for asteroids that are crashing towards Earth. And we've got a society dedicated to cataloging them and whatnot. But this guy was in our neighborhood for three years. Dude. That, that thing is so tiny, though, in the galactic scheme of things. And it's kind of a fluke that we saw it because, like I said, it, it's already out. Like, it's not even there anymore. But in theory, it was orbiting for – and people could have seen it. I'm not sure if you can see it with the naked eye. They didn't necessarily say that, but it kind of sounds like you probably could have because, you, you, you know, you can see satellites every once in a while if you really look hard enough into the sky with the naked eye. Do we have any other mini moons right now? No, that's how rare it was. Like, we had one confirmed one in 2006 and seven. that 2006 RH-120. That was a confirmed one. Okay. And then we had this one just now, and that's pretty much it. I mean, obviously, this has probably happened, you know, a bajillion times, and if it's that hard to detect them, we, that's just it. So I'm sure they have happened. And, and you know, who knows how long we've been looking for them. So I'm sure in the 1800s there was a couple of them. But for now, since we started looking for them, this is like the second one. There was something else that was a potential mini moon, but they classified that a quasi-satellite. Because <laughs> um, I know, I know, I thought that was funny as fuck too. I'm like, okay, because it turned out to be in orbit around the sun near Earth, and that's why that thing became as quasi satellite. Okay, okay. <laughs> I know, yeah, I know. It's really funny. Actually, one other tidbit about this thing—it's not even in my notes, but I remember the article. They were saying it could come back because now it's like launched off to some other part of its trajectory. But maybe, like I said, like maybe thousands of years, it would—it could maybe swing back and get caught just by our. Earth's gravity just kind of gets stuck in a little spiral for a while and then yeah. fling off again. 
apparently we won't know for at least a couple hundred years. <laughs> yeah. That's always in the data later on. They're like, oh, we, we discovered three planets from the data survey of 1968. <laughs> Maybe this is why it's so hard to tell if there's a what planet X out there. Oh, don't even start on planet X. Is man. it Nirabu? Like, old... What's the name? No, I don't want to get into that. Stuff. No, that's 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 some weird pseudo shit. No, but there is some type of thing yanking on stuff on the outside of our solar system that could, in theory, be a mysterious planet X or a or you know, some people even say black holes or other wacky shit and stuff. But I don't think that. But I was thinking back to this mini moon. Uh-huh. What what if what if we created our own mini moon? Ooh, would we break a world record at the same time? You know, like. Uh... I can't imagine we wouldn't. Okay. Right? If you're what, like the record for the making your own mini moon, one. <laughs> so you're going to have to design all this, obviously. I'll uh-huh. find the rock. So we just, because it needs to be a rock. Because if it's if it's a spaceship stuff, then it's a satellite and it's, people have done that. Boy, do you have but, the hard part. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. So we need to somehow launch this thing into like a geosynchronous orbit so it becomes like a moon. Right now I'm thinking it, trebuchet. You know what's funny? I was thinking trebuchet too of some sort. Like <laughs> some sort of like I was thinking like a lot of refrigerators on the other side. We just somehow like launch it as high as we can, this rock. And of course it we call it better than most moons. <laughs> well, no, better than most mini moons. We already have a star. Better than most stars. I know. I want more. Yeah, I want right? more now. I want better than more most mini moons. Better than most satellites, better than most mini moons, better than most suns. Uh, so everybody knows I'm, I like my 3d printing, right? You guys have seen all of my creations. We've made a couple for you guys. Yeah. If oh, you yeah. check out our Instagram, they're all on there. So there's a big problem with 3d printers. And that problem is you cannot print an object bigger than the printer itself, obviously. And so that presents a problem. You, you have to print things in segments and assemble them. You later. need the TARDIS power, the power of the TARDIS. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I guess you're right. But how are you going to fit it out of the door? I don't. I have no fucking clue. Do they have a garage door on the TARDIS or like a beaming technology or? We don't ask those questions of the doctor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> how do you get all that shit in there? Anyways. Um, well, researchers. Um, let's see. Oh, the American Chemical Society. Um, applied Materials and Interfaces. That's the... Um, paper that this came out in or the journal that this came out in and what it is is researchers have developed a way to print a material that when exposed to heat will expand to 40 times its size Ooh, that's cool so that it would be a way to kind of print something and then throw it out there and then it gets bigger yeah and so uh my 3d printer like most hobby 3d printers at home are extrusion based so it's a hot nozzle that heats up a spool of plastic that feeds in and then the nozzle moves around a bed to build, to trace a layer and then layer by layer, it builds up your 3D object. The one that they're working with here is actually VAT polymerization, which... I was, the whole time you were saying that, I was thinking like, wouldn't it be cool, like a name for a bar, Hot Nozzle? <laughs> She's like, mine's Hot Nozzle. I'm like, Hot Nozzle, the hottest bar in Miami. It's a gay bar, right? hot nozzle yeah it is it totally yeah, is yeah for <laughs> sure <laughs> so the same thought too it'd make money though it'd make money <laughs> it's a great and name. maybe you could three you could 3d print uh, the glasses for for people there so it'd have a double entendre hey hey, hey. um so uh, <laughs> the other process uh that this one augments is vat polymerization and what that is is by the way i didn't know polymerization was a word before Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> Oh Jesus! Vet. Don't tell anyone we play Yu-Gi-Oh. Oh God! Now that now they know, now they know. Uh, Mister, yeah, e got me Yu-Gi-Oh. into it anyway. Okay, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shut, up, shut, shut your whore mouth. <laughs> I am I have the best of Yu-Gi-Oh. Okay, go back to your story. So, anyway, polymerization, I believe. Um, this type of three D printing requires a pool of some sort of uh, liquid your your substrate, and then uh, that pool is a clear container of some sort and underneath the clear container is a laser or uv light that draws a pattern on the bottom of the container and cures the material Uh so uh that's how this one works and then there's an arm that essentially pulls the material slowly out of the vat as the laser draws thus forming your 3d object 
Are there any PIM particles involved in this process? <laughs> Dude, this is not that complicated. It's so funny. Once you like see a 3D printer, it's like, this is it. This is all it is. People are building these out of Legos. I'm already thinking they're like, I want to use this technology to print a bunch of bridges. And then I'll, I'll have a bunch of little mini bridges in my belt. And then as I'm running across, I'm guessing, rivers, and I can't use the bridges there, I'll just throw the bridge. And then when it hits the sun... It'll grow many times its size, and I can go across the bridge and be okay. Well, it, uh, is that okay? Mm. Can I do that with your power? Can I do that? I don't see why not. I mean, hell, you okay. can do anything you want. <laughs> That's how I feel about it. <laughs> Thank uh, you. I feel better. That's all I wanted to hear. They did have to bake it in an oven to get it to grow bigger. So I don't know what that okay. means that for temperature, like leaving it out in the sun all day. I don't know if that's a viable mm-hmm. option. Um, but some of the applications here, uh, they're thinking are like sending pieces of homes or housing or uh, modular units to the moon and then expanding them there or even having the 3D printer on the moon to build pieces. I guess I would save some space because, as we know, space is a big issue on all the, on the moon missions. Exactly. I've actually got another one here about um, – that's all I had on – Oh, well, I guess I'll tell you about the um, the feel of the material. So when it expands, it expands to be like a polystyrene um, material. And what that is, is like... Uh, is that that powdery shit? Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's your packaging. Oh, yeah, wait, oh, yeah, yeah. It's your packaging wait. and with that white, uh, crumbly, foamy stuff in it. Well... Wait, is it styrofoam or is because styrofoam I'm fine with, but like you know that, that other weird stuff where you touch it and it almost like crumbles under your finger and like it has like a like a weird residue. Uh, no, this is found in most like packaging. You you buy a toy from the store and it's that white kind of hard um, foam material. You can crack it in half, and when you do, it creates a bunch of little white doodads isn't that styrofoam okay yeah okay. well yeah Sorry. it's polystyrene is that styrofoam yeah it, it's quote oh. unquote is that, is that the styrofoam. fancy is that the fancy term that's the proper term you but... scientist when you're pyro pyro styrofoam it's styrofoam jesus what my desk is swarming with ants are you serious yeah did you wash them over here what's going on i don't know because dude i'm telling you there was there's ants out maybe it's because it's so hot like my backyard is full of fucking ants and i hose them down are you serious? Do you have ants on your... That's the third one I've killed while we've been recording oh, here. Oh, man. <laughs> You're done, son. <laughs> That's too bad. All right, speaking of the moon here. <clears throat> and actually, we've been talking about concrete a lot. Do you remember the um, biological concrete that could self-heal and was better for the environment and all that? The Yeah, the living concrete. Yeah. So the European Space Agency, or the... ESA, or as I'm going to call them from now on, SA. 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 SA believes that in the future, human astronaut urine can be used to help make concrete on the moon. Man, is there no limit to what P can do? <laughs> There's really not. Right? Like, we did a story about the astronauts. They're drinking the pee. <laughs> now we're making concrete out of the pee. There, we talked about a lady who was peeing booze. Man. Yeah. Yeah, we cover the a lot of the good pee. stuff. <laughs> At least one an Tell episode. Tell about this. So, now the, so the pee is making concrete now. Yeah. And um, so... Jesus Christ. <laughs> what they're... <laughs> That's a I never thought I'd say. The pee is making concrete now. The benefit of the pea making concrete is that the urea. Wait, wait, sorry, one more thing. Peacrete. Peacrete. Anyway. <laughs> I'm sorry. Keep going. <laughs> Concrean? <laughs> Concrean? Concrete. Uroncrete. <laughs> uh, yeah, I like Uroncrete. <laughs> yeah, Uroncrete. So, Uroncrete. Um, mm-hmm. Peacrete. The benefit to that, uh, mixing the urea, which is the main ingredient in pea, is it ingredient? Component? I think it's a component. <laughs> it's an ingredient. There's a little bit of sugar, a little bit of urea. I think it's a huge distinction. The main component of pea. <laughs> yeah, what is it? <laughs> component versus ingredient. 
<laughs> ingredient implies your anyways so the main component of pee is urea and by mixing urea in with the concrete components it would create a more flexible concrete that they could mold and maneuver until it hardened and set in place so so they play so they played with the the pp concrete yeah well they haven't yet but SA is really looking forward to doing this someday because, you know, it's like a big camping trip. You got to use every fucking resource possible. I know. So, like, the, the astronauts going to be sitting up there, like, they're going to be mining all the moon dust to make habitats, and then they're going to be peeing on the dust and then printing out these printable huge things. God. Yeah. These are, like, scary as fuck on the moon. I was like, I, I still want to go, but I don't know. I, I want to go when they have, like, a, a Best Buy there or something. <laughs> <laughs> that's a little that's a bit much a bit much all right there a best i read some cool shit or is, is, your, is yours i got one more cool? quote yeah. uh this is from uh charles Ar- arnhoff and he says this is very practical and avoids the need to further complicate the sophisticated water recycling systems in space <laughs> I, like how, I like how he has to defend it this is very practical Okay, I want to pee on this stuff and make concrete. This is very practical. Well, I read something interesting about kind of uh, scientists are drawing kind of uh, drawing patterns on the brain using electricity. Okay, and I, I imagine will, I will. Un- yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That definitely needs unpacking. But I'm like, I'm going to unpack that for you because I know it's a bit it's a bit crazy. But um, uh, basically, what they're doing it's like a form of visual prosthetics, and there's these implants that people have in their brain, and they said it was already implanted for like epilepsy or something, and for pretty much study. This is a so visual aid prosthetic. Uh, yeah, this is the idea behind uh, this. Is it's like a visual prosthetics technology gotcha. is what this is. Okay, and so it's not necessarily a prosthetic yet, but hopefully this would be one day. Roger. And so how this works is these these the people they have the implants and it's, uh, the implants are placed on the visual cortex, and then it's stimu- they stimulated patterns to trace out shapes that the that the people could see in their mind's eye. And what does that mean? Here's what it is. Yes. And so. <laughs> I know, I know, yeah. So it took me, like, I read this whole article. It's like I can, I have to like read from it, but like I kind of have to like go off script to kind of understand what it is. And so what what they're doing is, it's called phosphines. So do you want know a phosphine? Is? I feel like we've actually talked about phosphines, but it's yeah. been like a bajillion years. But I'm not even venture phosph- guess. Yeah, yeah. No, phosphines are when you rub your eyes really hard and you see stars. Uh huh. Those are phosphines. And so what's cool, what's interesting about phosphines, obviously, is you see them and you can see them in complete darkness. You could rub your eyes really dark in a dark room. I mean, rub your eyes in a dark room and you'd see all these lights almost in your mind's eye, but there's no light source in the room. Okay. These phosphines are just triggering parts of your brain. And so the scientists are able to kind of trigger phosphines in people, like blind people and people who can see. And they can like – so they're, they're saying that the people would, would see little dots of the phosphine. They'd see like a little dot go off and go, oh, and they could see that. So but, it, yeah. I, I always imagine like that was um, my eye interpreting the backside of my eyelid sort of thing. And me rubbing it was agitating blood vessels or something. So, I mean, I'm I'm completely wrong. I know that now. But so it makes me wonder, these phosphines are located within the eyeball or the the brain or are they like within the lens of my eye? It's more they they describe it as like a weird process of just seeing in general. Okay. These phosphines just fire for the for the again. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. We never do. <laughs> so, so so don't don't fucking uh, quote me on this stuff. And I'm not a scientist, but yeah, basically it was something along the lines of these phosphines are just something in the visual perception of our brain that just can fire. So that's the reason again back to that dark room scenario where you you see light even though there's nothing there. It's like a weird trick of our of our mind. And so with these electrodes, they were able to kind of trigger some of these phosphines going off, but even then they could only just do dots. Okay. And they were saying that they try to do a bunch of them at the same time to like make an image. Uh huh. And that wasn't working out. The people would see phosphines going off, but that like, was it was like a jumbled mess. Okay. And so then they figured out if derp, 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 pretty much they could do a sweeping motion like one electrode at a time, they could in, in essence connect the dots between two of the electrodes and the people could see that line. 
And so they were started making shapes. And so they they um they generated phosphines between the locations of two separate electrodes, thus connecting the dots between them. And then with this technique, the authors drew letters such as like W, S, and Z on the surface of the V1, which is the part of the brain that analyzes pretty much visual cortex stuff. And then the shapes had to be drawn upside down and backwards because that's how yeah. the, uh, the visual information was, reaches the, the eyes. But then the people could see it. And the, in the end, the, the study participants could see the trace shapes and accurately recreate them on a touchscreen. So, you know, three this, of them were blind and two of them were able to see. So this reminds me of like, have you ever drawn on someone's back with like your finger? Just a guess. Like, yeah, like some like third grade experiment or something. Or had someone drawn on your back? With a finger, I, or a dick, I don't I mean, know. Whatever you're into, you but feel point it, being, you feel it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Point dick, being, yeah. Uh, if you if you just tap different points on their back to form like a shape and whatnot, that's not going to work. You have to trace, and so it makes a lot of sense that just something as basic as that interpreting the mm-hmm. fact that you can't see, so you really have to interpret that through your mind's eye. I, see. I, and, was, I wasn't sure where to go with the back thing. Okay, cool. Well, yeah, and now, tracing now would be I easy. Yeah. <laughs> now I do get it. Okay, cool. I thought I was a dick thing. <laughs> sure. Everyone's had their back drawn on before. Come on, Max. <laughs> like, are you serious? Am I crazy? Drawn on, drawn what? What are you drawing on people's backs? <laughs> no words, shapes. I mean, you've really never done that. I'm not enough to have a memory of it. Yeah. <laughs> it must have been a big deal to you guys. Like, Maestro. is that a circle you're drawing? It's a circle. Maestro, that- way in here. He, I can see you. You're champing at the bit. Have you ever had your draw, your back drawn on? <laughs> your back drawn on um, when we were like little or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think it's because well, Max is an only child, so no, I'm not. It makes more. <laughs> well, I know, but your your siblings are <laughs> a lot different in age. <laughs> no, it seems oh, like something you do like when you're little. <laughs> I was around little kids when I was little. I, I, uh, I'm not saying I haven't had that done, but I'm saying not enough to fucking. It's almost like you guys are asking, like, have you ever drank water on top of like a staircase when you were three? I'm like, I, I probably did, but like, I don't have a, a memory, like a vivid, like, yes, I remember saying circle, but it was a square. And I was so distraught. Where are they going with this technology? Well, that's kind of it, really, is that like now they can kind of see shapes in the mind's eye but what i was thinking is is this seems like early geordie laforge technology that's dude the whole time you're describing the the way they they're gonna see that's all i thought about was geordie laforge like yep oh for sure no the whole time i was like man it's like this weird pixelated kind of world that you can draw on possibly and they were even talking about maybe like depth of of shapes and stuff with the with the with the phosphines in theory if they learn how to program it so well yeah phosphines could be the way to kind of become they're almost like digital pixels of the mind is how i think about them and you can kind of somehow if we can somehow get that into a a blind person's brain and teach the computer to to interpret what we give it they could maybe start you know have some type of little bit of little something something i imagine with i imagine the phosphines uh would once they're triggered would fade away so you could play with the fade as well and Ooh. yeah, and then like the like neighboring phosphines and the way they interact, and it's very cool. It's a very cool emerging technology that I think, with enough data fed into some database, you can really hone the tool. Definitely, uh, with enough data, we could do anything. <laughs> data. D- data. All right, are you data? guys ready for Australia or Florida, or do you have any more on your? No, I'm no. Actually, I'm completely done. I was actually laughing already because I was I was on the website earlier and I was rereading some of the old like descriptions and I was like, oh, there hasn't been Australia, Florida in a while, so I'm, <laughs> I'm more I'm happy this is happening again. Okay, so did this fall? Fo- did the following story happen in Australia or Florida? A man was caught on surveillance camera after breaking into a museum, and. Wandering around and taking selfies and stealing things, and then he wandered away, and later turned himself in to the authorities. <laughs> <laughs> I was say that seems too nice for Florida already. 
I'll say, is this Canada? This almost sounds like a Canadian crime. I haven't pulled that one on you yet. I might do that That's like. moron. <laughs> well, doesn't that sound very Canadian? Like, oh, I just I casually broke in. I wanted to see the pictures and I took some pictures and I, then, then I left and I felt bad about it. So I just went so sorry about it. That I, I know. It's a story. Yeah, for sure. For fucking sure. Well, while he was there, he stole a piece of artwork and a uh, staff member's cowboy hat. And then he, what was it? I, my favorite was there's a picture of him with his mouth or with his head inside a dinosaur skull taking a selfie. Oh, that's actually <laughs> worth it. That's fucking worth it right there. That's what I'm thinking. Like dumb criminal or not, that's fun. You know, it's funny. I wasn't getting the crime until right then. Then I was like, I guess if you're at a museum and no one was there, you could do those type of things. Like I'm touching the Mona Lisa. Oh, I shouldn't do this and stuff. Like exactly, huh. exactly. So. Let me see if there's anything else here. Yeah, he turned himself he, in, fine? and then he was charged with breaking and entering. That doesn't seem... I wonder, what's the crime? I wonder... Yeah, what's the penalty for that? I don't know. I haven't, I, haven't, I haven't been caught when I break and enter. Maybe they went lenient on him for the theft of the artwork and the cowboy hat simply because he turned himself in, and they didn't have to work very hard for that arrest. Maybe the judge saw the picture, too, of the of the T-Rex. Like, it's almost <laughs> one of those things, like, he probably saw that, like, this guy. Like, I, I want to get a beer with this guy, but, like, ah, I got a you know, fucking three months. You get out of here. Like, that might be kind of worth it, like, three months in county or something. And then even then, that's probably good. I don't know. Down even. <laughs> I don't know. Is it? Yeah. How long would you go into a county jail for a selfie inside the mouth of a T-Rex? Oh, at least 15 days. 15, I was going to say, like, I was thinking, like, maybe a week or two at most, because it might be, but... Well, good behavior, you're getting that in, like, five. Yeah, man, and by the end of it, like, all the prisoners are like, no, don't leave, Max. I'm like, I gotta go, guys, I gotta go. <laughs> I gotta Sorry, go. Like, and the cops <laughs> the cops are like, oh, no, man, you, you, say, you tell the best stories. I'm like, I know, I know. You're the only one here who knows how to make Bruno, or Pruno. I know, <laughs> I know. I hope you commit more crimes. <laughs> please, please come back. <laughs> All right, folks, I'm leaving it up to you. Australia or Florida? Uh, let's start with you, Mr. E. Since you always go first, Max, let's give him a chance to pick first. Okay, I think the hint was cowboy hat, so I'm going to say Australia because I feel like there's not a lot of cowboy hats in Florida. Okay, okay. I famously always say Florida in these situations. I've said that like all the other times. I just go Florida before I even say. This time I actually analyzed and did all the stuff, and like. I want to say Australia because that is then do it's it. all a nice crime. It's all a nice crime. So I'm going to say Australia this time. Okay. You're both correct. Okay. All right, it's about time. <laughs> <laughs> that came from Sydney, Australia. Yeah. No. Do a Florida crime. Like, if the Florida guy did it, there'd be a gator involved and fire. No, no, no. There's a massive <laughs> clue in the story that you all missed. Really? Florida doesn't have museums. Ah, <laughs> dude, this is like I'm, this is like a space episode, I swear. Uh, but I was reading about uh, they found a black hole nearby uh, the Earth, and you know, nearby is a relative term as far as astronomical terms. Uh-huh. But I wanted to kind of give you guys a chance to guess how close it is because uh, there was a record for the closest black hole to Earth, and this is in light years. So just let you know. So let's do light years, and. So there was a black hole that was close to Earth, and now this one's blown it away, like being a little bit closer. So I'd like you to both guess, if you can, how close the closest one is. And or I'll tell you like the, the second one, but like guess how close the closest black hole is to Earth currently that we know uh, about. I think Alpha Centauri, the closest star, is like, I want to say 100 million light years. So I'm going to guess this thing is... 200 million light years. Okay. 201 million light years. <laughs> you guys are way off on that one. You know, like, um, I don't know. Much about Alpha Centauri, but I'm pretty sure, I think Alpha Centauri is like five light years away or something. Crazy. What? Like, I don't think, it, I don't think it's millions. Like, I think it's like, it's something like 12 or something great. Like that's. If the quiz. If the quiz in the last episode taught me anything, it's I don't know numbers. <laughs> Dude, yeah, millions. You're way off. So anyway, it's, it's it's a thousand light years away. It's a thousand light years away. Stay still fucking far away. Okay. But, but not millions. Sorry, I was closer. 
<laughs> well, I mean, I wouldn't mind your million answer, but it made me laugh at the Alpha Centauri thing. That's like the closest thing. Like freaking uh, Enterprise, they go to Alpha Centauri in two seconds. You think they're going millions of light years? Like based on your Trek knowledge alone, you should have known that. Freaking, you know that like 70,000 light years is the Delta Quadrant. Of course I did. Yeah, yeah. I thought, yeah. I know, <laughs> I know Star Trek, god damn it. Anyway, so they so they found it. It's a thousand light years away, but what was kind of cool is the way they found it. Because normally when they find black holes, they find them because all this stuff is being sucked into it. So they see like a, like I think they call it an accretion disk or something. And yes. like there's lights reflecting off of it. And they pretty much figure that's a black hole that way. But this one was found a little in a different way. Because it, it evaded detection because it's very small and very quiet. And it basically wasn't eating any matter. So it was in a triple star system and there's two B-type main sequence stars and they're like circling each other. But when they analyzed the data, it suggested that there was not two but three objects dancing around each other. Hmm. And that object that it was dancing around, it it was small, but it had – it was – they said it was four times the size of the sun. So it just – and they couldn't see it. It was dense. So so pretty much they said if it's invisible and it's that dense, it has to be a black hole. So they pretty much identified this as a black hole. And so it's this it's in the system that's a thousand light years away. But what's really interesting is oh, I'm sorry, back to the the, the closest the black hole before this was three thousand three hundred light years away. Huh. And now now this one's a thousand light years away. But this new detection system is pretty much showing us that they could be anywhere because this was even saying that uh, we've only detected about fifty stellar mass black holes in the Milky Way. And all of those have been because of the it's sucking in matter and all that bullshit. So this is the first one we found in this kind of like a quiet one that because of this detection method. And so, you know, perhaps there's more black holes floating around out there. Maybe even that uh, Planet X we talked about before. That was that's been a theory that it could be some mini type of black hole thing. So the detection method they found this with is just noticing that these other objects were orbiting something that we couldn't see. Pretty much, yes. Okay. And the fact that there was it was affecting them, it was being so small because like they're they're big stars. So the fact that some that small oh, somehow they're being affected, you know what it's I mean? So three had, it, stars orbiting this black hole. Well, it's they said two stars because at first stars. they said a triple gotcha. system, but I think I think what they said is what they really mean is they're looking at these at the images and they see like a triple star system, but. It's almost like it's because of their movement they think it's a triple star system. But then they look at it, there's only two stars, and then something else moving. These literally stars are moving around this thing. Wow. And so they're figuring out that, okay, this thing, whatever it is, we can't see it. It's not there. It's invisible, but it's infecting these things that it, ha- it must be a black hole. That's very cool. So, like you said, you knew I was going to bring up this story. I did. I read the As soon as I saw the news title. I thought about bringing it up on the podcast, and then I thought for a second and realized there's no way you were not mention this. And and what form. we're talking about here is the Snyder Cut, the confirmation that a another version, <laughs> the confirmation that another version of the Justice League movie exists. You guys are explaining, I think, to everyone kind of why why this is such a big deal because I only know about it because almost like from memes, and it's almost a top comment on certain other pretty much if you read a reddit post about some movie if you read like a couple comments down someone's always like release the snyder cut yep it's um become this like hyped up thing so uh for the uninitiated you have the marvel cinematic universe which disney owns and is pumping out all your iron man's your captain america's avengers all of that on the other side of that is the dc comic movie universe and those are movies like Man of Steel, uh, Batman versus Superman, Suicide Squad, Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman, yeah, all of those. Um, and so, when Warner Brothers first started working on this whole cinematic DC universe, uh, they gave it all to Zack Snyder, uh, director writer. Uh, he's known for what three hundred Watchmen. 300, uh... Sucker What's punch. that one? Cry sucker punch. Yeah, yeah. Not his finest hour. <laughs> I would say like he's kind of does some wacky stuff. Like three hundred is good, but even then, like anyway, yeah. yeah. And so he kind of shepherded the whole DC universe through. Um, uh, the first one was Man of Steel, 
and then they did Batman versus Superman and then Wonder Woman and all sorts of other stuff started springing up. But uh, once they got to Justice League, he was working on that movie. And then sadly, halfway through the movie, his daughter, Autumn Snyder, committed suicide. So he had to leave production and, you know, tend to the family, of course. And what W. Warner Brothers did was they hired Joss Whedon, who originally he helmed um, the Avengers and... Buffy. Kind of that Buffy thing. Buffy the yeah. Vampire Slayer. He's, I know he's known for that. Yep. That as well. Uh, what's the other one? The space one. Firefly? Is that him? Yeah. 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 There you go. So Joss Whedon took over. And essentially what he did was rewrite most of the film. Uh, it went into massive reshoots to conform to his new vision of the story. And... You know, when it came out, people were just not impressed. People didn't like it. You yeah, it could, was a steam pile. Yeah, you could tell it was a rush job and a bit choppy here and there. And, you know, Ben Affleck was going through his own troubles, but you could see his weight gain throughout the film and the reshoots and whatnot. Ben Affleck had troubles during the movie? Yeah, he, uh, the reason he never wanted to be Batman again was because I don't know how or why mentally it forced him into a uh, like an addiction state. He he relapsed. And really? Yeah, became like an alcoholic. He went into rehab Batman. shortly after and everything. Yeah. Oh, his Batman was an alcoholic, anyways. Really? That's interesting. The Batfleck. Batfleck. Yep. It's like the alternate version of Batman. Remember when it was his dad? Oh, uh, in Flashpoint. Yes, in Flashpoint, yeah. for sure. He's all like, like somehow he's a Batman, but he's all like wasted the whole time. Like, oh, I'm, a, I'm a Batman. Yeah, and so Justice League was a super de- divisive film, and people didn't like it. And it slowly, the news slowly trickled out that another cut of the film existed, and what they're dubbing now as the Snyder Cut. And so once that got out, you know, all the internet trolls started hashtagging release the Snyder Cut, and it just snowballed into a big thing and um quite recently i think uh, last week when this airs Zack snyder announced that they will be releasing the snyder cut on hbo max in uh 2021 that is freaking crazy because i've heard about the fucking snyder cuts it's the goddamn movie i i don't have it that information but like 17 is when justice so, league premiered in theaters Wow, so for like three years, I've heard nothing but the Snyder Cut. Yes. Uh, it's, it's, it's like a joke. It's like the top fucking joke on these fucking comments. So the fact that it's actually happening is really crazy. Yeah, and they're said to um, already be contacting actors to come back for reshoots and all reshoots. sorts of stuff. <laughs> I'm just making a new movie at that point. God, because I was going to say, it's still going to suck. That's so funny. It's still going to be like the same movie. I don't know. Have you seen? What if it's even better? <laughs> what if it's even, I mean, I mean, what if it's even worse? And it's like, oh, wow, we really did fix it. I don't think it can be. I don't think it can be worse. And I'm not saying that to be mean to the Justice League movie, but I think he had a vision. And that vision will never come true because the story is out there now. We know what Zack Snyder's vision for Justice League 2 and 3 was. And so, you know, to produce that is ridiculous. They'd never do that. So either he's going to just kind of give you the rest of that vision in something small and compact or just this, what they're calling either a four-hour movie or um a miniseries event a or not four hour movie yeah there was rumors that he was filming um scenes for justice league 2 while he was filming justice league 1 now these are rumors but if that's the case then i don't see why he couldn't combine them both into some you know longer cohesive story get another batfleck He's- stand in in there Boy, we are wishing a lot for this, aren't we? <laughs> like, <laughs> this is going to be a steaming pile, but the it could possibly not be. But DC is known for a steaming pile, so now this steaming pile, we're gonna we, it's like a big pile of shit, and we're gonna remold it to the Snyder shape. If if he puts boobs in the movie, I'm telling you, it will it will be a hit. I'm telling <laughs> you, the first film, the first of these superhero movies to show boob. Will be a hit. Well, 
Actually, Deadpool was the movie, but he's kind of an anti-hero. But that was the that was the reason. Did they show boobs in that one? Did they show nipple? Yes, th- yes, they do. Okay. Yes. Um, it's come out that like Zack Snyder said that what you saw on screen was probably about a quarter of what he actually shot and intended the movie to be. Oh my god, really? Yes. What the fuck could the movie be if, if like if they hit? There's really that many them that there's that much of the movie on the on the cutting floor. I believe so. I think Zack Snyder was envisioning a Lord of the Rings epic with this thing, and then when he had to leave, they Warner Brothers brought in Joss Whedon and told him make it you know an hour forty five tight action movie. Oh my god! And I think that's what he did. Well, either way, I know we're going to watch it. So we'll just <laughs> there's supposed to be Green Lanterns in this. The Martian Manhunter is supposed to make an appearance. There's all sorts of stuff that was just straight up cut out of the movie. Really? Yeah. Are you more intrigued now? I mean, I'll, I, we all do. We're going to fucking watch it. It'd make me watch all this bullshit anyway. So we're going to I'm, I'm definitely I'd have to watch it so I know more because I love DC Universe, but their movies blow their live action movies blow i should say uh, their dude. their animated movies are tip top you couldn't be more right about that and i'm so disappointed you have not seen the latest one justice league dark I did, apocalypse you know, i do apologize because you did text me it was good and I, I interpreted that he thought it was good but now that he's talked he's told me a couple other times i realize it's supposed to be a really good movie so i will make it a next priority to check it out because i mean as batman's as, in it right batman's in it right? yeah he's in it okay okay uh, in a good way, in a good way. This is, it's basically the end game to their cinematic, their animated cinematic universe. And it's thought to have borrowed a lot of story elements from what Zack Snyder's uh, Justice League 2 and 3 would have been. So that's another reason oh. they probably won't be leaning into that direction if they, well, they will lean into it because, you know, the movie's already shot, but they might change things just to wrap it up. Well, the animated universe, like they they did the Suicide Squad and animated before they did the real movie, so they're yes. allowed to kind of, you know, steal from that universe totally. I thought it was fascinating. HBO Max premieres uh, this week or this, yeah, I think it's this week when this comes out, May twenty seventh, and uh, this movie won't be available until twenty twenty one. So keep your eyes peeled. I was reading something pretty interesting about like a medical advancement. Uh, a team of researchers at the French uh, National Institute of Medical and Health Research in Bordeaux, they've grown yarn from human skin cells, and they're calling it a human textile. Ew. Fucking yeah. ew. It's basically human skin yarn. Yarn skin. Why? It's, 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 it's advanced, bro. It's good. It's good stuff. <laughs> Why? It is kind of weird. <laughs> I'll give you that. But it could be used by surgeons to close wounds and assemble implantable skin grafts. And the key advantage of the skin yarn is that the material doesn't trigger an immune response that can complicate the healing process. There you go. So it's almost like using skin to heal other skin. And how they created this stuff is kind of, yeah, it's basically, that's why they call it a yarn because the, the researchers cut sheets of human skin cells into long strips and then they wove those strips into like a yarn like material. And then that material can be used to do a lot of things. Interesting. So is this made of like, if I go in for surgery, they would culture my skin cells and make this thing. This article did not go into that. I'm assuming that's how it would work. Cause otherwise why would it not, you know, reject you? I'm assuming it has to be made from you. Right. Cause yeah. Cause if there's no rejection, then Essentially, it's it's my stuff, unless it, it's all up to blood type, or maybe there's unless like a skin maybe type. maybe there's something weird, like maybe I don't know if you put a band aid on your body. <laughs> I guess your body doesn't reject a band aid, but if you're if you're trying to put skin like artificial skin on a person, your body probably would, would reject that. Versus if you had this woven yarn skin stuff, this whole thing made me laugh because when I think of yarn and knitting and all that stuff, I just think of like a, a hipster with like a knitted like beanie. And so I'm, I'm, I'm thinking already, like, oh, I want to get a beanie of this woven skin yarn stuff and just be like the ultimate hipster. <laughs> Would it, it dry clean only, I'm guessing? <laughs> oh, Dev, you'd have to, like, freaking feed it, probably. <laughs> <laughs> but what's funny, too, is uh, this uh, the yarn, they said they could, they could um, weave it or create it into much bunch of things. They said they could uh, – give me one second to find it. 
They can they can sew pouches, create tubes, valves, and perforated membranes. Ooh. Okay. I wonder how long this stuff lasts. Because I mean, is it an alternative to I don't know, uh, replacing some valve or something? Or it's funny you mentioned that because uh, they did do something similar to that. These same guys, the their prior research, uh, they um, they produced a sheets of biomaterial and they rolled them to make artificial blood vessels. Cool. Very cool. Yeah. So now, like, if you're going in for a uh a bypass they wouldn't have to take an artery out of your leg they could use some of this stuff possibly i don't know or maybe in the future it, or take or take it out and maybe replace it with a new one yeah install Ooh. it yeah yeah there you go right just like and like attach them because it's it's basically long story short this sounds like a, a a better band-aid even though it's way more advanced way more blah 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 but it sounds like if you have a boo-boo you, you throw some of this yarn skin stuff on and it would kind of it sounds like it almost would become your skin eventually but you know of course it's very early early stages and stuff but the researchers have used this yarn to stitch a rat's wounds and uh, and help it fully heal over two weeks and then they created a skin graft using custom using a loom to seal a sheep's artery and stop it from leaking jeez so this this weird it's basically like a bio mesh fabric yarn textile thing that's very and, cool. You know, of course, it only exists, you know, small amounts and all that crap. But if this technology continues into the future, that'd be something maybe that we'd be seeing. That'd be and that'd be pretty sick. Yeah, like, get like get like a new face or something. <laughs> if your old one's scarred, yeah, and you want some uh, yeah, stitches sure. that'll heal nicely, I guess. For sure, maybe we can like make like buttresses if you have if you have like wrinkles, you have like a like a bridge string and like in your muscle is like it's like keeping your skin up through a complex structure of lattice work flying buttresses buttresses so speaking of buttresses i got a uh nope none of my stories here relate to buttresses in any way but hey here's one dang. about a <laughs> <laughs> about oh, a i was like dang i thought that was a good <laughs> this is a dinosaur mummy story so oh. there's currently an exhibit at the Royal Tyrell Museum. Uh, Tyrell? Mom, yeah. yeah. Okay. Is that like from Game of Thrones? That's it. That's the one. The exhibit is of a notosaur, and this notosaur just happens to be the most intact dinosaur we have ever found. The notosaur. This notosaur. At the display. opposite of the, the yesador. Yeah. Thank you. I'll be here all night. Anyway, <laughs> the notosaur. So the reason they're calling this thing a mummy is because it's not quite a fossil. They inside it, they found guts, intact guts. Uh, its skin is virtually intact. Its bones are very intact. Nothing is necessarily fossilized. Now, sure, things have decomposed and dried out and whatnot, but. You, the makeup is still there. You can still see what this thing was. And Was this frozen? Or is this like in mud or something? Or what preserved it? So they did find it uh, accidentally in Canada. So maybe maybe the frozen north. Canada is cold. Yeah, had something to do with it. But Maybe right... a nice Canadian family took it in or something. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> they're, they're nice. They're nice people. Yeah, when, when uh, little Rex here died, they just tossed it. Toss it away. <laughs> you throw this shit away. So this is actually one of those uh, big spiny dinosaurs uh, with the big armored back, walks on four legs, not necessarily a stegosaurus. Oh, okay. Not one of those with the fins sticking up. Instead, this one's more squatty and uh, has a, has armor plating on its back. And then... Like that Jurassic Park one that was slamming into the Jeep and stuff. A little bit. Which, which That was like the, Jurassic hammer, Park the hammerhead dinosaur. It was like slamming into the... Oh, and like a, yeah, and like a ball on its tail. Yeah, 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 like yeah. one of those. Yeah, think a big yeah. uh, a horny lizard or whatever they're called. What are those? What are those horny lizards? A living those? armored tank, if you will. <laughs> yes. So uh, this specimen is over 110 million years old, which is fun. Wow, to be that preserved is fun. I mean, the like we're we're we we were shocked with the Egyptian mummies, and they're like what four thousand, 
five thousand years old. So something that you know, something that old is crazy, right? To be that intact, like to, to see guts. Yeah, it was an herbivore, uh, spiky, armor plated, about three thousand pounds. And that shit was frozen. There's it, no way that shit wasn't frozen. Well, they they think that it might have been swept out to uh, swept out by a river and then deposited in the ocean, where it sunk to the bottom of the floor and then Love. was eventually covered in minerals. That is, this is one theory. We don't know for sure. That might have helped preserve it. The low temperature, the pressure. I have another theory. Yes. Aliens. Oh, well, I mean, of course. Yeah, but, but continue. <laughs> but yeah, no, definitely alien cover-up. They spent nearly 7,000 hours uh, carefully unearthing this thing for movement. 7,000 hours. That is a long time. Yeah, I want to... 7,000... Are you saying how many days that is? Yeah, that's 291 days. That's almost a year. Almost a year of just nonstop work. Um, like everyone else in America. So nine to five. <laughs> it was so well preserved that they were able to tell its skin color. Yeah, I don't know why when you started that. That almost sounded like a joke. It was so well preserved it told them not to unbury them <laughs> <laughs> or something. Like, it asked them to go away. And it turns out this particular notosaur was a dark reddish brown on top and then uh, a lighter color on the bottom. But what does it taste like? Man, that's your question for everything. That's Every time. answer. I want to know. Like, did they eat a steak of it? Like a notosaur steak? How much do you think that would cost? How much do you think that would cost? That's some black market shit. Like, you know steak. what that would cost? That would cost a um, influence. Like there's not money. I need influence <laughs> over that, influence over that scientist who found it. Like you know, I'll uh, I need you want the stock price of the cocoa bean in South America. I want to eat the left foot of the notice store. So I have this information. So if you let's do a straight trade, and so I feel like no amount of money would get the notice store. I don't know. How would you cook meat like that? You're all into smoking right now. Like how would you? I would I would take the meat and then I would instantly just like throw it in. Just a bunch of Tabasco sauce and butter, and then deep fry it, and then you know you wouldn't even tell you wouldn't even tell the taste, right? Like yeah, I mean, no, honestly, yeah, I wouldn't do that. I mean, I mean, if you're gonna actually do, if you're gonna get that meat, you wouldn't want to taste that meat, but otherwise, you you do anything. You could like eat anything with garlic and salsa and shit on it. So I, I wouldn't want <laughs> I wouldn't want to eat that shit. And so yeah, you can if you want to see that thing, it's at the Royal Tyrell Museum up in Canada. Go ahead and road trip to that thing. If you want to go, if you want to see some weird shit, you probably should go to China because I was. <laughs> and let's not get started on what all the weird shit China's done. Uh-huh. But China has um, just released this um, article about they made a pig monkey chimera. Jesus Christ! Okay. And it and it um, and it they brought it to term for the first time. So basically, there was. So what is what what is a pig monkey chimera? <laughs> If you have to figure that out, what a chimera is, it's like you basically combine two things to make one thing. I know in the uh, in the anime world, I was like, Mr. E, do you remember in uh, Full Metal Alchemist what a chimera was? Yes, it was exactly what you said. They basically used alchemy to fuse two different animal or human life forms together. And it was it created this grotesque spawn that was, you know, two creatures mixed together. Yes, that is pretty much what it is. And so that's why when I read Pig Monkey Chimera, I had to go further into this. <laughs> I, I wish my mic wasn't muted because I started dying when you said that, man. <laughs> I can't wait to hear more. Uh, well, so why did they make the Pig Monkey uh, Chimera? And uh, they, they made it because the research is part of an ongoing effort to develop animals, whether sheep or pigs, uh, that can grow human organs that we can then harvest for transplant. And so it's a process called xenogenic organogenesis. And that's uh, kind of uh, the idea where they're, they're trying to almost combine our cells with pigs or sheep or whatever. So they grow like lungs and hearts. Much and like we do with more. a human ear grown on a rat. Exactly. To maybe one day there'd be organs we could harvest so from these things. why the fuck do they need the, the pig monkey? Why not just do this First as a sheep? All, it sounds great. A pig monkey? 
Oh, pig monkey chimera. That's pigs, like that's like that's, pigs are dude. smart. Monkeys are smart. Putting them together is no good. First of all, it's the name of the next like up and coming heavy metal band is Pig Monkey Chimera, <laughs> and it just it just rolls off the tongue. But what's cool is like the Pig Monkey Chimeras they they were born alive, and they survived for almost a week, and that was the whole thing uh, that they they actually came to term and were alive. And so the whole this whole <sighs> experiment produced ten piglets. That made it to full term and were born alive. Is that what they're calling them? They will, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they said only two of those were chimeric. Oh, so I guess of the other eight were just pigs, and the other ones were two chimeras. It makes me wonder how uh, monkey these pigs were. Like, for instance, did they just give them the uh, back hair gene of a monkey? Without necessarily making it some freak of nature, they just gave it a, a hairier gene that's usually found in the monkey. Yeah, I, and I'm not sure exactly what they gave it. They did say that the chimeras had between one in one thousand to one in ten thousand functional monkey cells to pig cells. So for pretty much every one thousand pig cells, there was a functioning monkey cell. That's in a the, lot, in, right? Aren't in, there? I'm terrible uh, with numbers, but aren't there? Like a, I mean, yeah, I mean, we're made of millions of cells. So I guess yeah. in the grand scheme of things, if one of every thousand or 10,000, that still would be a lot of, of, of monkey cells in you. Yeah. So, yeah. So it went on to say that these uh, pigs had all the powers of the monkey. They, they were climbing <laughs> trees and, you know, asking for rights and stuff. Huh. And then they, 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 they terminated them after 10 days killing no 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 uh it basically said they died after like eight days pretty much or like they died after a week and yeah. and, and they both died like like the chimera the chimera ones and the the other pigs who, who weren't chimeras but just i guess normal pigs they also died exposed to but, the odd genome as well yeah it, they said the scientists who, who talked about it was said the cause of death likely wasn't even the chimerism it was more to do with ivf which is the procedure that they pretty much used to make the chimera stuff and i guess it goes on to say that that's really tricky on pigs to do that so AKA alchemy alchemy exactly <laughs> so there's a lot of reasons they, they probably didn't pay enough soul you know or, or pay enough price like to keep these pigs alive but actually this article was kind of funny because it mentioned like why uh in america we can't be experimenting with pretty much these type of cells and shit and just this one sentence jumped out at me it said like for like U.S. scientists, it said some scientists were worried that some of the human stem cells could end up in other parts of the animal or even in its brain with unintended consequences. And that's all it said. But sounds Mr. like the e. line for a movie. <laughs> no, Mister E. Remember uh, when you talking about sheep? <laughs> sheep? No, I don't remember. No, you say like uh, kill me. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> Please kill yeah. me. <laughs> I can dude, hear it. Yeah. <laughs> dude, that's like some real shit. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. I don't like that. I don't like that at all. <laughs> the whole thing's fucked up when you think about it. Well, because ultimately, I what it is. Welcome our pig monkey chimera overlord, <laughs> and and welcome to our society. I'm I'm more worried about the the unchecked the 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 unchecked possibilities of that tool to manipulate a genome on that level. Uh, it's like yeah, a house China of cards. The, you don't know what yeah, you're China's doing. playing with it. Well, and, you're going to make some augments. Augments, bro. Well, that's immediately where my but head went, was augment? Star Trek and how we started in Star Trek world by now, the human race had started tampering with uh, the human genome to create superhumans, not necessarily like laser eyes, but just, Smarter, faster, like double stronger. The, yeah, double the strength, double the intelligence, pretty much double everything. And then that started World War Three and blah, blah, blah. But forget all that. It's just the idea that you're creating just this new thing. I don't know. It's bizarre. I know I did a story last week on them with Xenobots, and it's essentially uh, yeah, a new Xenobots living are still, thing. I still think about those Xenobots. I'm like, that's some. But at least this one lived a week intentionally. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, fuck. Uh, I don't know. I don't like it. I don't like it. Not a fan. I want to use this technology to give myself monkey feet. Because, I mean, my hands work great, but like, I bet you feet would be... Don't you want a tail? No. Really? Why would I want that? Well, if you're going to get monkey anything, probably a tail. I mean, okay, I guess the tail would be cool, because then that's like a 
fifth appendage. I just want to like my feet are just used for walking, and that's boring. I want to be able to like hang from them and stuff. That's what I was thinking. What would you hang from? Is there anything in your room right now? Probably nothing. I'm a lazy ass. But but if I had the feet, I would do it. That's that's why, mom. All right, we should get the monkey feet. Then I would do it. Okay. You think that'd be a pain in the ass to poop with a tail? No, I'd wrap it around my 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 body. Oh, there you before go. Before I did it, yeah. Make yeah. sure it didn't touch any of the surfaces. Mm-hmm. Smart, mm-hmm. smart. Or you'd make like a longer a longer toilet, like more of a trough like toilet, if you will, with a <laughs> with a slope to slope the poop down into the water. You know what and you do? You what with a tail? When you go to the bar, you just curl it up in your pants. Oh yeah, that's called false advertising, and I will not do that. <laughs> All right. So I got a story here about uh, clubs. As a matter of fact, there at... golf clubs. No, uh, comedy clubs. Oh, okay. You've done your couple five minutes, haven't you? I have a a loose five. A loose five. <laughs> um, so this comes from Oregon State University, and it's about a robot comedian named John the Robot. And here's what, what John hack. hack. <laughs> so John the robot uh, is essentially a study on human robot interaction. And this particular arm of the study has concluded that a robot with good timing is more funny than a robot with bad timing. What a fucking shock. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I know. That was the whole study, but here's how they did it. That's half all of these psychological studies, but it's still kind of funny if if now that is proof. Like it's all those you know things that we all think we know, but now that is proof that yep. it's true. Uh, so they did a 32 show tour of uh, Greater Los Angeles and Oregon, and so they hired local comedians to help write content for the robot. He doesn't write his own content. No shit. <laughs> right. What? And so they hired local comedians for the content and then uh, tried several different algorithms like the bad timing and good timing and then different, you know, just kind of inflections and reading the audience. And um, ultimately, it was just it, it was a, a great tool to look back on for human robot interaction. That's really what this boils down to. It's just another mm. piece of that puzzle. And this one just happened to be comedy. Have you ever heard of that one hitchhiking robot? Yeah. The one that got his ass kicked in Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> he like hiked all across Canada. Five. As soon as he got to Chicago, <laughs> got his ass kicked. <laughs> and like destroyed. Linguo. Dead. Linguo. Is. Dead. <laughs> Fucking Chicago. I love Chicago, dude. I don't want to live there, but I love visiting there. I've never been, but here's a fun city. A lot of great fun architecture. Me. Anyways, so, um, and they wrote they wrote content for him, uh, which is true to being a robot and stuff. It's, it wasn't like he was drive, talking about driving around in traffic and doing this, that. Um, let's see. What's the other one? Oh, some variables that fed into all the jokes and the way they landed. And this is another duh. Our audience size, social context, cultural context, the microphone holding presence of a human versus, you know, a box on stage. This is how a dork studies comedy, right? Like, oh, after two seconds of pause, activate funny mode. And then after this, release cultural something joke. And then do this, this, which is kind of funny. It is like programming comedy in a weird way, even though comedy in essence is a you know almost an improv thing on some level and so it's kind of funny trying to think of a robot do you want to hear one of his jokes yes i was hoping you had that actually <laughs> so he usually tells his audience that he doesn't get uh, lots of auditions and he's had a hard time getting booked they think i'm too robotic The article here says, uh, if ruckus laughter follows, then he comes back with, please tell the booking agents how funny that joke was. 
If he gets Ooh. nothing, if he gets <laughs> dead, silence. <laughs> I'm over this. <laughs> uh oh, hey, here's the here's the plan B. Sorry about that. I think I got caught in a loop. Please tell the booking agents that you like me. That you like me. That you like me. That you like me. Ah. <laughs> Fuck this thing. <laughs> On the list of no shit for today, that was uh, comics with good timing are better than comics with bad timing. Next week, we figure out that people like desserts more than dinner. <laughs> right? All right. Well, I think that's uh, that's been about it. Yeah, thanks for joining us, everyone. Everyone, stay safe out there. Oh Social distance as much as you can, but you know, start start barbecuing more. I, I, that's my message for this episode: start smoking meats more. Maestro doesn't know how to smoke meats. <laughs> Mister E doesn't know how to smoke meats. Sean definitely doesn't know how to smoke meats. He doesn't <laughs> eat salty crackers, though. That's for sure. <laughs> but he, he definitely can smoke some salty. Although he's very interested you, in beef jerky. Thank you, thank you. That's all I wanted to hear. But otherwise, until next time. Please keep in mind we are enthusiasts, not experts. If you want to know more about the topics we discussed here, we encourage you to research them for yourself. Let us know if we miss anything. And as always, submit your questions or interesting topics to our Discord. For all the latest updates, subscribe to our Twitter, Instagram, at btmt underscore podcast, and please rate and subscribe on your podcast app.